What's up, podcast people? Back again. I just flew in from Orlando, back home in Massachusetts, where it's nice and cold and brick. <laughs> um, I was down there at Surf Expo, crushing podcasts, recording with some epic people. Um, I'm excited to share these with you. Um, I want to apologize in advance for the audio because I was recording on the showroom floor, so there's a lot of like background noise, but you can hear everything good, man. It's not perfect, but uh, I like the feel of just being on the floor and being with the people and just having the vibe. It was rad, man. People were coming up to the table while we were recording and just sitting down and listening to us. I sat with some legendary people, and uh, it was a trip, man. We got we had an all-I-need booth set up, and uh, there was a mini ramp. So we were chilling, man. But uh, I crushed a bunch of podcasts, so I'm going to release them. I'm going to release a couple a week, you know, like, so you guys are in for more than once a week. So I'm hyped to share these. They're going to be a little bit shorter than the, than the normal podcast uh, just because I was trying to get so many people because there's so many epic people at these trade shows. And I'm running into them. And I'm trying to get there like a second with them. And then at one point I had like a line of people that were just down like – they were so hyped, and uh, it was cool that Surf Expo hooked it up. They they hired me to record podcasts at the trade show, so flew me down there, hooked me up with a booth, and uh, hired me to do it, and I was pretty hyped, and uh, it was very fruitful, man. It was great. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Narragansett Beer. If you're on Instagram, go to Gansett Beer, at Gansett Beer right now. Check it all out. Give them a follow. That'd be rad. That'd help the podcast, and you'd be following an epic brand. Uh, you can also go to narragansettbeer.com, and if you can get your hands on the Autocrat, Narragansett Autocrat collab they did, it's a coffee milk stout, that is by far my favorite, and uh, I would suggest you try it. And if you do try it, uh, leave me some feedback. Go on my Instagram or post a picture of you with the coffee milk stout, and tag Gansett, tag me, and just let me know what you think, you know? Uh, I think it's delicious. It's my favorite, and... Uh, those guys kill it, and I'm hyped that they support the podcast, so it's all good things, baby. Uh, next up, this episode is brought to you by, as always, brought to you by All I Need Skate. You can go to allineedskate.com. We put up all the podcasts, and you can go click on the store link at the top of the page. We got all our skateboards and apparel up there. You can check it all out. And there's actually a sale going on right now, I believe. Is it still January? For the month of January, yeah, you still got time. All the apparel is reduced prices, just for you guys. I mean, anyone who listens to the podcast, I'm hooking you guys up. We got t-shirts on there for 12 bucks. We got beanies on there for 12 bucks. We got hoodies and windbreakers up there for 20 So it's only going to last to the end of January, so you got to get it while you can. And there's limited sizes, and it's been going fast, so some might be sold out. I'm sorry. But uh, also, to everyone who's already taking advantage of the january sales thank you your orders are going out tomorrow tomorrow's monday i'm a little disheveled right now uh i literally just landed so i'm exhausted um yeah what else let's see i think that's it we got gansett we got all i need you can follow surf expo at, at surf expo on instagram and i believe it's surfexpo.com. and today's guest is the legendary paul schmidt I was so hyped. I saw him at the trade show, and I kind of stalked him a little bit and uh, tracked him down. And it was so rad to sit down with this legend and pick his brain about making skateboards and, and more than that, life. And the dude's just like an epic individual, and I'm psyched to share this podcast with you. So enjoy. Sit back. Like I said before, make some popcorn. 
maybe get some autocrat coffee milk stout be relaxed and jam to this podcast i love you guys thank you for listening too you guys make this all possible the only reason surf expo flew me down was because you guys are listening you're spreading the word you're sharing it uh and it means the world to me this this podcast in all sincerity has been one of the best things in my life it's been such a great tool for growth um i can't thank you enough peace this This is is the shetland Shetland Show. show whatever you do you have one thing that's unique you have the ability to make up, and when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it, I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners, we claim the victories. Come on, it's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. In a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know. Sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know it, it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens game, every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the street. All right. I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I've watched you in videos, I've heard the history, i talked to a lot of people, you've been in skateboarding forever, you've had a huge hand in what I love, skateboarding, you've created everything, I've seen the boards you've created, I've seen the, all of it, so I'm excited to have you here, thank you Paul. Alright, nice um, to be here. Let's start in person, this. live. I know. I feel like you're, you're like a celebrity to me, but I don't know. You just seem like a normal guy now. <laughs> I am a normal guy. Yeah, I'm a normal like, guy that rides skateboards his whole life. Which is awesome. So let's start there. Let's start with how did you get your first board, and, and how did this passion take off? Well, the passion took off by the fact that there's this aspect in skateboarding that caught me when I was very young, and that's when you're rolling, you feel some vibration through your feet, you feel some air movement on your face. You decide what you ride, yep. you decide where you're at, you decide what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I rode a skateboard in 1972, there was not much <laughs> to do with it, right? It yeah. had clay wheels, it was left over from the 60s, <clears throat> it belonged to the neighbors, they had a, a smooth driveway, and I lived in a 100-year-old house, and so my driveway wasn't so smooth. <laughs> Sick. Where was this? This was in rural La Crosse, Wisconsin. Wow, so the middle, middle America here. Mid-America, yeah. And literally the next year, urethane wheel skateboards came out with ball bearings in them. And um, I purchased one at Zayers for 20 bucks, and I was the fool of the neighborhood. Cause, <laughs> you know, $20 for a skateboard? Are you crazy? You know? Yeah. It's strange because, like, there's no industry in there, so I bet you stood out like a crazy because there's probably no skateboarding, right? Yeah, there's no skaters. I mean, there was nobody to skate with. I lived in rural Wisconsin. Yeah. And But I like to sled during the winter, so it was sort of like my equivalent to sledding and tobogganing was skateboarding. That's awesome. Did, did you immediately, once you got hooked to skating, did you start searching out people and trying to get them to skate? No, because I lived rural. I didn't even try. It wasn't even a conscious thought. Yeah. But when I moved to Tampa, Florida in 1975, then I lived in a cul-de-sac with kids that already skateboarded. So then there were already skateboarders around. Florida is crazy like that. They always they've had a skate scene. It's a weird hot spot. Yeah. So yeah, a lot history. of it is the surf culture was part of it, and, yeah. and then in '76 we got our first skate park. So now skate parks are starting to happen. Sick. You know. Were you ever sponsored? Uh, not really. No. I mean, I've been sponsored by Fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever try to get sponsored? No. 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 I mean, I get stuff if I want it, but it was never a concern. It was never my ability. Yeah. You got to realize when I was a kid making my products, I was around people like Alan Gilpin, Mike McGill, Rodney Mullen. So that level of skateboarding was nothing to do with my level whatsoever at all. Yeah. You know? yeah. Those guys were pretty gnarly. Yeah, pretty gnarly, exactly. <laughs> how do we how do we stem from getting a skateboarding, riding it, having fun, moving to Florida? How do we get into the business side of skateboarding? Well, the business side was really I always made things. Yeah. You know, so in 77, 78, people made wooden rails for grabbing, for yeah. grabbing for airs. And one day I went to the store of Alan Gilpin, and I made wooden rails for my board. And he said, well, if rails slid, that'd be cool. And he'd been riding rails that were urethane. They're made to grab, but when you rock and roll a urethane rail, it grabbed the lift. Yeah. So he says, I don't want to grip, I want to slip. That's it. <laughs> and I said, makes sense to me, you're in the magazine, you rip, yeah, it makes sense to me. Would you, this is a weird question, Are you? An, do you consider yourself an inventor? Yeah, I don't know if I really consider myself that. I consider myself a maker. Yeah. Because I always make things my whole life. Where does that come from? Your family, maybe? <clears throat> well, when I was a kid, I used to make tree boards, you know. Sick. Build things. My dad ran a, a college wood shop, so I'd help build things there and learn how to use power tools and that kind of thing. Oh, that's so rad, dude. That's awesome. So, I can imagine your dad's a huge influence in all of this. He was... Not really when I got serious about it because my parents had broken up and, and the access to the wood shop wasn't there because I was back in Wisconsin. So. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So you're making things, you're surrounded by influential people. Even at that time, they were pretty influential. Yeah. It was in the beginning stages, but yeah. I imagine. How do you decide you're going to get into business and start doing all this? Just, just take a risk and do it? It wasn't even that, really. Literally, I made stuff and brought it to the park, right? I made tail skids and sold them to the skate shop. And um, I literally made rails, and people said, I want to buy it. And the skate park says, look, if you let them sell us. And I'm like, fair enough. You let me skate your park. Yeah. You know? Good trade. And um, Yeah, good trade, right? And then um, it literally started from there. And then there was a guy in Clearwater, Florida. His name is Steve Fisher. He was a drummer in a band called Triple X Girls. And he worked in a cabinet shop, and he made wooden rails, and they were called fish sticks. So I was at the competing skate park in Tampa, and everybody called them Schmidt sticks. It wasn't even a choice. That's it. Right? <laughs> yeah. The band Sticks was really big in the in the 70s, so it's like Sticks, okay, the drummer, you know. It works. <laughs> and then the lead singer in the band was a graphic artist. His name is Mike Knapp, and he went to USF. And one day he goes, here's your logo. And I'm like, my logo? And he's like, you're a company. And I'm like, well, why do I need to be a company? Because you've got to be in business. I'm in a marketing design class. You have to do this. He, like, created it for you. He, he... created it for me. Wow. <laughs> and then another guy who's here at the show today, Craig Snyder, he brings me to Surf Expo for the first time in 1979. Wow. And I walk in with my bag of plastic rails. And I'm walking around the show, meeting people, talking about it, you know. And, like, people like Mike Fulmer's here today. He already rode my rails, you know. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, like, Gil and Gilpin didn't get to because the minute they took him to California, people saw him and they made, you know, you can't ride those rails, you ride ours. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and um, and then it just sort of went from there. And then by 1980, so in 79, I sold them to all the skate parks in Florida that I could travel to. And, like, BC Surf and Sport down Fort Lauderdale started to sell them. They were the first 
retailer, and wow, so Island Water Sports was the second retailer. These guys are still around too. They've been still around, around yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, and then I just went from there, and at that time I was making them all by hand myself. But then there came a point where I used up all the scrap plastic, and I found out what it really cost. Yeah. <laughs> to use this high-end stuff, and I had to find new ways. But I found new ways, and. Uh, and then we would just package them up my house and put them together and so it ship started, them out. So it started as just like rails and accessories? Just rails, of. yeah. So I didn't I didn't make, I made my own boards, but I didn't sell skateboards till 83. Okay. Because the yeah. ones I made weren't good enough to sell. <laughs> okay. Just it good t- enough it to took, ride. Right. It took a while to work it all out. You know? That's cool. Were they just unfinished and just kind of crazy looking? It was about learning the lamination process. So in high school, I went to a vocational woodshop program. And uh, the last year and a half, I got to build sailboats. So I go to academic classes in the morning. I build sailboats in the afternoon. I learned a lot about bending wood, curves, molds, fiberglass, tooling. That's pretty sick. And I, and I, you know, increased my craft to what I was doing. And I was selling enough rails. <clears throat> After I was out of high school, I just quit the job and said I'm gonna make skateboards full time. That's awesome. I love that you you learned you learned some education outside of it and you applied it to skateboarding to what you were into and that's awesome that it's able to grow from that. Yeah, well I always learn for education whether it's talking to somebody or or taking an educational class or whatever. You know, the reality is that everything I've done in my life has been a reflection of the people in the world around me. Yeah. Because if I didn't see that need, if they didn't say that thing, yeah. if they didn't do that trick, if they didn't think that way, yeah. I would not have been influenced to think my way. Yeah. You know? It makes sense, man. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's really it's really cool because I've you know been involved with skaters my whole life, you know. It's like back in the early eighties I used to run lots of contests, I used to build lots of ramps and you know, make stuff happen, take pictures, write articles for Thrasher. Damn, all kinds sick. of stuff. I didn't know you wrote articles. That's pretty oh, yeah. cool. All the time. I'm super into that. I just had a writer on actually, uh Colin. He came over, uh, he used to write for Transworld, and he was uh, telling me about how he went to school, and he's very passionate about writing articles, and I, I really admire that. I like people that love um, language and writing and all that stuff. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, communication's a huge issue in life. It really is. You, you know? nailed it. <laughs> and if you're not willing to try to communicate, or you're not willing to, to listen and reflect, then... It's hard to go anywhere. This podcast has been a huge tool for me to learn about communication. And my listeners let me know all the time when I talk too much. They're like, you need to listen more. And, I, you know, I, could, I got offended at first. But then I went back and I listened and I was like, you know what? I am talking over people. I need to listen a little more. And it's been a great, this thing has been a great tool for me to grow and take in information instead of just spouting off. You know what I mean? Which happens when you're young. You don't. <laughs> yeah, but it also even happens when your knowledge and you have so much to share, right? But the yeah. whole thing, if you don't share it in a relevant place or manner, it's irrelevant. Yeah. And then when it's irrelevant, people are like, I don't want that. That's lame. Or, oh, that's weird. It doesn't know? hit correctly. It doesn't yeah. hit. You know, where we're in a situation where it's relevant to apply this information, then it's appreciated. And wow, this is great. You know. Yeah. All right. So switch it up a little bit. Um, maybe you could give people the rundown of. The brands you have made boards for, and just kind of give a brief history, because yes. I know the legacy is deep. Yeah, it's pretty deep. I mean, Mystics was my original brand, and yep. you know that's all I built in that era of life. And then um, as I, uh, <laughs> wow, we got a rock and roll band. Yeah, let's rock! 
Stay, stay close yeah. to the mic. Okay, we're going to stay close to the mic. We'll see if we overpower these guys. That's Some funny. death metal going on? What is it? Surf Expo is wild yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so after I moved to California, I joined up with Vision Sports because they sold my products. And I built a wood shop for them. So that built the Vision, the Sims, and the Schmitzig Sports in the wow. last half of the 80s. Wow. And then when I walked away from that in, in uh, 1980, um, I built boards for blind for a while, and then we started New Deal, and then, I mean, the line goes on and on. Alien, uh, girl, uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, not not in that era. Started with them. Yeah. Now, some brands have come and gone over the, over the years, you know. I started with one of the partners and starting, like, Element, for instance, you know. Yeah. Now I'm just a vendor to it, you know. And, you know, brands that are gone, like Mad Circle or New Deal or something, you know, they're not around anymore. I love those brands. Yeah. That's what I grew up on. Did yeah. you, when you were doing Vision and all those brands right there, and that little, did you realize that was like a big deal? Did you, could you even fathom it at the time? I couldn't fathom it because I was still like, when I was in the backyard days in Florida, it was that where my mind was, regardless, you know. Yeah. You're from your creative place, not from the mass, you know. When I travel, I feel it better. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, you know, nowadays I build boards for like whether it's Element or Plan B or Alien or Habitat or. Uh, something awesome. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> you want me to say it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if you're PG rated or not. You know. uh, no, we're not. <laughs> I call it FA. Yeah, FA okay. Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, then whether it's, you know, Quasi or, you know, Welcome or Lifeblood or just lots of brands, you know. That's awesome. You well, can, you can... Sorry. All right. We're back. We had to leave the showroom floor because, uh, Paul's new band, death metal band, just started playing without him, so we had to leave. <laughs> Adapt or die, we found the back hallways of the convention center were lurking. Yeah, we're definitely lurking right now. Some people went by, they looked at us, we're a little sketchy, but um, we, we, let's pick it up where we're off. We're talking about brands that you worked with, and uh, you just went off on a whole list of brands, which uh, you're probably jaded because you worked with a lot. Yeah, but. I mean, I've, I've just worked with a lot of brands over my career. I mean, in my factories, in my, in my lifetime, I've built over 15 million boards. Oh my God! And uh, I don't build them all myself. Now I build the tools, the machines, the systems, the processes. You know, my Which, staff really builds the boards. Yeah. You know, but you know, so like you see an Instagram or video of me making a board of a pro in my shop. I made that one with him, and I made the tool with him. Then the tool goes to the factory. My staff makes the boards he rides. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask you about progression. It seems like. You're big on that. You're big on creating new things, new technologies, and progressing what you do. Well, I'm always willing to try. And if you're not willing to try, what can you achieve? Nothing, right? Yeah. And um, part of the challenge is when I was young, it was generational relevance. I was the generation. I saw it this way. I got feedback from people or interaction or saw what was happening. And I made my vision of it. In the early 80s, the skateboard was really unrefined, yeah. you know? And now it was seven ply maple in general, and it's still seven ply maple, but it's highly refined now. Yeah. Okay. And then the work I do is even more highly refined, you know, because the the attributes and the things that I pay attention to and work on, they can't see. And the reason they can't see, people go, well, who's your competition? I'm like, I never see them at the skate park. They don't come to the contest. I, you know, they're not active participants. Yeah. You know, I'm still an active participant. I skate multiple times a week. You know, going to Kona tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> How's the body feel? <laughs> it's. I mean, I'm 52. It's a 52-year-old body, but it works. It's yeah. not broken. You know, I wear knee braces and I'm all padded up and geeked out and stuff. You know, but that's awesome. That's how it happens, right? Do you have any injuries to speak of? 
Um, today? No, I'm doing pretty good. That's good. <laughs> no, my elbow healed up from last month. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah I, got a, I got a swell bow going a little bit just from yeah. years of abuse. But no, I mean, I, I wear braces on my knees because they're both really weak and yeah. had surgery and that type of thing. So. Do you, I'm 33 now. You yep. said you're 53? 52. 52? Don't make me so old now. Sorry, sorry. How long do you think you'll skate, though? Is there a limit? Until I can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Walker still skates. Yeah, he's been mentioned twice on this podcast. Now this is yeah. the third. <laughs> yeah, I skated the Brobo with him last August. It was totally hot. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so back to the business side. Um, you started small and grew to what you are now. Where do you stand? Are you you have a big workshop, workshop and employees and? So I have a workshop in Costa Mesa where I build samples, molds, prototype, tooling, and that's just me working there. And then I have pros or company people stuff come in and build samples and prototypes and work on design. And then usually one day a week I go to my factory. It's in Tijuana, yeah. and it's a factory I wholly own, and it's my tools I used to have in Costa Mesa. But due to the commoditization of skateboarding, I just can't build skateboards on the north side of the border yeah. and compete. And um, nevertheless, I'm still in business. You know, I'm still contributing to the market all the time. You know, awesome. and I'm willing to try. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about surviving a recession. Because that's like big right now with people wanting to start brands and like I hear a lot of people talking about how hard the business is and all that stuff. You've been in it a long time. I'm sure you've seen some cycles and how, how do you make it through? How have you made it through? How do you survive? Well, it's hard because um, cycles happen, whether they're economic, whether they're social, whatever. You know, if you look back 10 years ago, the only skateboards were a couple longboards and and you know obstacle sticks you know yeah. and now it's so broad and diverse downhill free ride push culture whatever plastic boards doesn't matter you yeah. know and all that comes back to that original sense i talked about it riding a skateboard right yeah because the hard reality is it's really badass to see somebody switch flip that fire hydrant you know yeah but now absolutely. how are you gonna one-up that <laughs> you know it's a lot of pressure you know i know your skills are a little more modern and current than mine to me i just want to carve grind okay that's all i need <laughs> that, push push carve and grind daily that feeling's timeless though like yeah. even like because you know i've been a pro skateboarder and i've jumped down 15 stair rails and did all that but like as i get older it's like I still enjoy skateboarding as much, and I just enjoyed it in a different way, the carving and the feel. Like, a lot of times when I go skate now, I just go and power slide and put my hands on the ground and push around and be yeah. And it's like, it's almost more rewarding than just trying to jump down some big stairs or something like that. So, well, Like with anything, it's really great when you achieve those high milestones, whatever they are, athletic, business, whatever, right? <laughs> but if you only get satisfaction of those high ones then it's really hard to achieve, you know, especially when you're injured or whatever challenges are there in life. So it's like, you know, find your satisfaction in the middle ground, Yeah. you know, okay. and that's how it works for me. My satisfaction's always been here in making and doing. I'll have guys in my shop going like, do you get bored doing this? I'm like, not at all, you know, and if, why do I not get bored? Because there's a new skater in my shop and we're sharing, we're interacting things yeah. and it's, it's the interaction in the back and forth. The making the board, I'm just doing while we're talking about it. Now, doesn't mean I'm not combining the math and the words they say, but like the making the board isn't the interacting together and their hype and excitement. That's what it's about. Yeah, that that's the heartbeat, the feeling. You know, when 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 you take a guy and you take the same board he's riding and you modify it, and then 
you know, he was barely nose wheeling, and now he nose wheelies down the parking lot around the building. It's pretty fucking rad. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Well, I mean, I guess we'll end it with talking about Surf Expo because these guys have flown me down here, and you've been here for quite a long time. How's your experience? Are you enjoying this show? Have you been around? What booths do you want to talk about? Well, I've been walking around the show, checking it out, been hanging out at my friend's booth with a the Ollie Book and the Skateboarding Heritage Foundation. So here promoting just history and skateboarding. Yeah. You know, and the Ollie Book's a great book to read what happened in the seventies in all the tricks and everything that led up to the Ollie. Yeah, you know? that's amazing. Because the Ollie we know today or how we see it in culture today, <clears throat> when we left the eighties or excuse me, we left the seventies, it was a mystery. Like, whoa, what's how this even happened, you know? <laughs> The and, Aldi was like magic. Oh, it was magic, yeah. And and then, but by the time we got to the mid '80s, it started to become pretty standard. By the time we were to '90, it was the basis. Yeah, when I started. There's, there's no trick that doesn't involve an ollie. So when guys come to my workshop, I work on how their skateboard wheelies and ollies. Yeah. You know, so let's talk about your manuals and wheelies and ollies. And I can't help anything else, but those are the foundation for every trick. Yeah. Perfect. You know, an ollie has a micro wheelie. Yep. You know, every trick has a micro wheelie. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Most tricks have an ollie. I teach kids when my, when I do skateboard lessons, I show them. I stand on the board. I say, find your center of balance with your front foot on the board. Turn sideways. Find your center of balance that way. Stand sideways. And then when they want to learn the ollies, I'm like, you got to learn to lift it up slowly. You know, yep. lean back, lean forward, lean back, pop it up. And then you got to start putting some bounce and jump into it, you know. And that's kind of what you're talking about. It's that little... You gotta learn the movements before you can get the pop and all yeah, that stuff. A lot exactly. of people want to jump right to it. Every little kid wants to. They just want to be able to kickflip right away. When I first started, it was like I gotta learn the ollie so I can get to the kickflip. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> jump ahead. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I mean, the only other thing I want to say is like I don't know anything about wheelbase and all that stuff, and I've been a pro skateboarder for a long time. But I find <laughs> boards that I like that I hang on to. And I should probably learn about wheelbase and the dynamics and all that stuff. Is it does it play that big of a role? Like, in your as far as the size of someone and the way they skate and right. So there's two aspects there. When I talk about the wheelie, is really the tipping point when you push on your tail and how your nose picks picks up. And if the bolt holes are too close to the bend, you got to push really hard, and then when it goes, it reacts really fast, right? Yeah. And if the bolt holes are too far from the bend, you pick it up, it's like, oh, man, it's too lazy. Yeah. You know? But the lazy board is great when you want to do manual pads. Yeah, that's Okay? True. And the aggressive one is great when you want to ollie onto something high. Yep. You get a Right. But it's that balance of finding what works best for you in between all that. Because as a skater matures, if they need quick snap, they got the skill to just give it to it. Yeah. You know? So in general, what I find is that, that younger skaters want a board that has less fingers of flat, has one or one and a quarter from the bolt holes to the bend. Okay. Center of the bolt hole to the center of the bend. And the older skaters want more one and a half to two fingers of flat. That's funny. But it's not always true. Yeah. Not always true, you know. Do you have certain pros that come in you're like, you should be riding this type of board because it's conducive to your style? You're like the West Gates really, into popping? And I maybe... really don't t try to tell guys what to do. Yeah. But if they want to ask me what to do, or I know them well enough, yeah. and we have a discussion and interaction, and if I modify their board and we can talk about how it ollies or wheelies different now, yeah. then that discussion can lead to what you're saying. But I just can't go, dude, you belong on this. You know, <laughs> like that, you're doing it all wrong, work, you know? Mark Johnson. <laughs> what I would say in general is that in general in skateboarding, young skaters ride a board that's too long for them. The wheelbase is too big. And if you're a little skater, 
trying to do a, a K grind on a regular size board, your your legs are like bow legged, right? You're like way far out, okay? Mm-hmm. And and kids adapt, but the the style is horrible. It looks, it's not natural, right? Yeah. And and then tall guys ride a board that's too short because that's what they can buy. They're constricted by it. Yeah. And the hard reality is in skateboarding, we buy um, boards based on what our influences are. That's pros, graphics, brands. Yeah. And it might be a width. Yeah, width. <laughs> See, so, so it's all messed up because really the wheelbase dictates the right size board for your height. But that works really well on a young kid growing up yeah. if he takes those steps. Yeah. You know, but... Most people don't take those steps because they're like, they want to go from a little kid's board to a big kid's board because they want to be a big kid. Yeah, that was me for sure. And they don't realize that those steps in place. So there's one pro skater out there that took every step, 12 inch, 12 and a half, 13, 13 and a half, 14 inch, 14 and a quarter wheelbase. They can grow with it, right? He he, he grew with it through me, a team manager, a dad. And um, so his board was thickness, width. Height. He didn't decide his wheelbase to his, to his board until he was 14-inch wheelbase. His wow. name is Nigel. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't waste his skills on riding a board that was disproportionate. He didn't waste his skills on that battle. He spent his skills on refining his skill. So I wonder where, wonder how there should be a program. That well, there is a program. It's a program is called Create Escape. That's my program where kids make skateboards at school learn about the relevance of math, science, ecology, biology, physics, engineering, artistry. Because you can't have a skateboard if all it doesn't come together. Yeah, geez. How long have you been doing that? Ten years. Wow. It takes you... place in schools all across the country. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm just learning about it. I probably heard about it in the past, but I just like put it all together now. That's amazing. Yeah. How did that come to be? Just you knew the relevance, you needed it? Yeah, it's sort of like my pay it forward program in life. Like I've been so fortunate what skateboarding's given me. And um, there's no secrets to share anymore. Everybody can Google and find out anything, right? You know, and I just built this program because so much in education is irrelevant. You're like you're learning something, it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. So when you learn about impact, density, scale, expansion, contraction, and it relates to a board hitting a curb, now it makes sense. I'm interested. Then. But otherwise, it, it's not interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it just ties that, and it's all really light. It's not a heavy thing, you know. But I mean, 20 pages of skateboard homework's way better than 20 pages of regular homework, right? Yeah, we're dealing with physics and all that stuff, and we don't even know we are skateboard. Exactly, you don't know it. Yeah. So the program takes place anywhere from fifth grade to twelfth grade. There's a non-power tools version that fits in any class: art, math, science, after school whatever you know and then there's a woodshop program that fits woodshop industrial arts where you actually design your own shape use the same templates and tools the pros use in my workshop to design your board oh it's so cool man i'm so jealous dude like nothing yeah. like this existed when i well, was little maybe kid. you need to run it with your skate camp sometime next time yeah absolutely so it gets run by skate camps after school programs skate parks church programs boy scouts schools it really started as a focus of schools, but really anywhere where people are, are enriching kids' lives by by challenging and informing them, yeah. that's where it belongs. That's what it's designed for. It's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. And well, anybody that's interested, just go to the website, createescape.org, download a petition, and get it happening in your community. I'm going to have to do that. And I work closely with a skate park near me, and I want to bring like cool stuff like this to that to the to the skate park because they're looking for ways to generate revenue and to create participation and stuff like that so maybe that's something that could fit there it's hard running indoor skate parks you know especially no, well, 
Like there's one skate park in Southern California, the Etney Sport Skate Park of Lake Forest. Yeah. They've run Creative Skate there for like seven years. Dang. That's all cool. summer long, Christmas and, and spring camp, kids come in and make skateboards. And it's like I meet kids that did a board three years ago or five years ago, and, you know, their parents are like, how do we get another board that size? Because... In my program, they got to get the right size board. You nail it. You get them right to what they need. You get them right where they need. And then the kids progress, and they're like, how come I can't buy this? Or this is so hard to find, you know? And it's like, well, you're the you're the boss. The yeah. brands, the industry, they're not the boss. I'm just lucky to be here. You know? Yeah. Awesome. So, good deal. Sick. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. And, yeah. Uh, it's it an honor nice to hanging out with down, you, catching man. up with you. Yeah, it's cool to like, see you in person. You were just a myth before, but it's nice to catch <laughs> up and get to know well, you. Well, <laughs> I'll keep on following you on Instagram. I'm, I'm Professor Schmidt. Yeah. So yeah. Check so, it out. so is there anything else you'd like to, if people wanted to reach out or check out what you're doing, the Instagram? Really Instagram, or that pushes the Facebook as well. That's the best place to find out about me and what I do. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. Well, keep doing what you're doing. It's so important, man. It right. inspires me because, like, I don't know. I just want there to be no ceiling to how long you can skate and how long there you can be no involved ceiling. in skateboarding. So there's this guy I met in 1980. His name is Bill Dore. Yeah. He just started skateboarding. I went on a trip to California. I met him at Marina Del Rey Skate Park. Okay. <clears throat> Bill Dore ended up in the, the 80s and 90s. I'd always see him chaperone lots of kids to castle contest and help them out, that type of thing. Huge mentor. Huge. Okay. Yeah. So he was 60 in 1980. When we started 4-on-1 Video Magazine in 93 or 94, yeah. you know who the first subscriber was? Bill Dore. <laughs> and he still skated, so now he's like 73, right? And yeah. It's like... <laughs> so sick. You know, there's, there's no end. It ain't happening. It's huge, man. And when I can't roll on a skateboard, I'll roll in a wheelchair. That's <laughs> sick. And then will you design certain wheelchairs? Will you figure out your wheelbase and stuff? For what, the... Whatever I got to do to make it happen, I'll do it. <laughs> sick. Then I know when my... I'm a, firm, I'm a firm believer you can do anything in life you want to if you're willing to work hard enough. The challenge is, are you willing to work hard enough for it? Yeah, you adversity know. will teach you. Will teach you whether you yeah. will or not. You right. Know, yeah, you find you. you find the satisfaction of achievement on the little bits as you move along, you know, and just find the satisfaction. And it. it might be a challenging job. It might suck. Okay. Yeah. But the reality is, find the challenge in it. You know, yeah. I don't care what it is. You know. I'm 33 and I'm learning this now. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning it in real time because I'm like, I learned that I have a normal nine to five, and when I do that, I'm like, I don't want to be there. It's shipping and receiving. It's nothing I'm passionate about. Right. But like you said, I'm there and I'm making money, and I've agreed to take this money to do the job, and I I took that approach. I'm like. I'm just going to find the challenge and be the best I can at it, and hopefully I'll grow it to where I can go do whatever else I want. You know, like exactly. if I gain the skills from this and don't look at it like a burden, but more as an opportunity to grow, it yeah. seems to be working in this. It seems to be working for me. <laughs> Keep the attitude. I like it. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. <laughs> Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.